I think you can learn a lot from owning a franchise. And, and we've seen this happen a lot where people buy a franchise, not only do they own a franchise, but they might own another business in a non-competing way. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And we have a great episode today. We are talking about franchising, which is close to both Jessica and I's heart because we are a part of an amazing franchise. Um, but we thought, you know, that we want to spend some more time on franchising because we do think it's a great option for a first-time buyer. Yeah. I think not even just a first-time buyer, but like any first-time business owner. Um, you know, Andy, both you and I have, we've been through startup businesses when we were very young. Um, you know, we've now part of the franchise organization have built fairly large organizations, but there's a lot to learn when you're starting your first business. And um, whether you're trying to start or buy, sometimes having processes and systems and a community really that you can lean on is a great option for someone who's starting off and, and just doesn't know what they don't know as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I think you can learn a lot from owning a franchise. And, and we've seen this happen a lot where people buy a franchise, not only did, do they own a franchise, but they might own another business in a non-competing way. My brother bought a franchise and he said it helped him with his other business because it taught him so much about business and about proper systems and things like that. But, you know, not to say that that's the only reason you should buy a, a franchise as a first time buyer. We just think that there's great opportunities out there for people. Franchising is becoming more and more popular. It is becoming a huge part of our economy here in the United States and abroad. I mean, you could see the franchises are just all over the world. You just got back from Spain. Yeah. I bet you saw a few franchises there. Oh my God. There's for, there's franchises everywhere, but the Spanish especially love McDonald's. Like there was one on every single really? corner. Oh, there was McDonald's everywhere, but it is, I mean, it's huge. Um, franchising is huge nationally. And I, I think we're becoming more aware of that, but, um, you know, we know too, from an international perspective, uh, us brands really do well overseas. So, um, I mean, that's another, another thing to bring up too, is like, you don't have to, if you're starting out as a new entrepreneur, you could relocate to another country. I know a lot of the millennials want to you know, explore and travel and, and live elsewhere. And, and you can bring an American concept into the country that you're going uh, to move to. So there's so much opportunity with franchising. I think, you know, if we break it down, I think the first thing that is really good for first-time buyers and first-time entrepreneurs is the proven system, right? Here's a business that has been built up for years. I mean, Transworld operated for how many years before you guys franchised? Yeah. I mean, uh, 30 almost. So. Right. So these businesses have proven systems, proven business models that the owners know work. So instead of going through the startup phase and figuring out what's going to work, how am I going to make this thing profitable? How am I going to scale it? That, that proven system is already there. And I think that's, that's probably one of the biggest selling points of going into a franchise is, and I think there's statistics around, around this too, is there's less likelihood that you're not going to succeed with the business model. Yeah. Franchising is a much safer model. I think even the banks know that the SBA knows that, uh, the E2 visa people, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the 
the government knows that when they're approving people, they like people buying franchises. So we see that a lot. We see, uh, you know, there are good and bad franchises out there, of course, just like any other business. And, you know, for the most part, it's a lot like uh, a lot of businesses. If you put enough effort into it, uh, you, you should be successful because most franchises start because they had a successful business and they decided, hey, let's expand through franchising. So usually, and especially UFG brands, uh, they they like to see those brands uh, have at least one other unit. So then they have two units and they operate that successfully. And then they're going to expand. And, and literally that's what happened with Transworld. I mean, we had several units. We proved that we could run it remotely, not quite remotely, but with local management. And there was enough margins in there for it to be a franchise. And we had enough things that we were providing to a franchisee to make it worth a franchise, uh, franchisee's uh, worthwhile. And so you've seen that, right? So we've seen that in other franchises too. And I think one of the challenges out there in the world, when people think of franchising, they need, they think they need to jump into a McDonald's. They think they could jump into a, a Chick-fil-A or a orange theory uh, or a Dunkin' Donuts. I, I hate to break it to people, but those franchises are gone to the first time buyer. They, it's very unlikely that you're going to be jumping to one of those hugely established brands right away. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think we could buy it if we want to, quite honestly. They, no. they they sell internally, right? If a McDonald's right. resale happens, it gets bought up by existing franchise owners. And, and also like in a way, um, and we could talk a little bit about this too, is like there's new brands, there's emerging brands, and there's the established brands, right? So new brands have just franchised. Emerging, usually they're somewhere between like 20 and 100 units. And then the, the established ones are 100 units or more. And I think when I was looking, becoming a franchisee, it was interesting to see how the franchisor models evolved as well too, right? If you come into a new or emerging brand, you know, you do have the opportunity to get involved more, um, more of a close-knit community. You can see the brand and sometimes even contribute through things like ad funds um, to the brand development. Whereas in like that established model, the McDonald's, the the Dunkin' Donuts, that's that's gone, right? There's there's none of that um, real contribution. Yes, they they listen to their franchisees, but they're so established um, that not only is it hard to buy in, it's also if you want to contribute in any way, it's going to be significantly harder as a new owner. Yeah, I love, like one of the ways to look at that is like Transworld, and you know you're still dealing with one of the founders, right? You know I'm here and. And Bill's here, and then we're the first pre people that franchised it. So you're still dealing with it. And as we're growing, like you, you know, you and I have become incredible partners, and you've been a partner in our growth and been a part of really redesigning the franchise as well as we step into things. We were just talking about Chat GBT before the before we launched and all the things that that's going to do for our industry. So it is good to be in. I think it's great for people to be in emerging brands, something that perhaps has more than one locations. You don't want to be the first franchisee if you're brand new, uh, but that's an opportunity, right? You're, you're going to be one of the first 20 or one of the first hundred franchises. Um, it's going to be a great opportunity. They're getting the bugs out. They've already gotten the bugs out and they're starting to expand. So 
And with that expansion too, you also, as a franchisee, you have opportunity for expansion, right? So as a new, new entrepreneur, new buyer, you probably want to start off with one unit. You know, they're called territories in franchising, but one territory, one unit, one location, right? But with the emerging brands, if you get that process and system down and you become a really good franchisee, a great operator, you have the opportunity to grow as well. You know, my husband, Al and I, we started with one territory in Denver, Colorado, and I don't, I don't know how many we have it, but we, you know, have the entire state of Colorado. We're in Texas, we're in Nevada. So, um, you know, but there's, there is that opportunity. And I think one of the myths I hear when people are shy about franchising is they're like, well, I want to build a big business, right? I don't want to just be a franchisee. And I think the myth is like, you can be a, build a very big business as a franchisee. Um, you know, I know there was a deal, I think it was a massage envy deal. And one of the franchisees out in the Rocky mountains sold for close to nine figures. Um, so like you can build a very, very big business as a franchisee. It's funny. I've done some, uh, valuation work for massage envy and uh, massage heights, which was, you know, you think about a massage envy already built out, you know, very hard to get into a secondary one comes along, Massage Heights. And all of a sudden, that is worth a lot of money too. I went to sell some of them and I couldn't believe the valuations they were getting for these places. So, and I met some multiple unit operators that had a very nice business going with these Massage Heights. And so uh, you can absolutely do that too. But, you know, back to the first time buyer, you're probably good going in Spending, you know, there's plenty of franchises that are under a hundred thousand uh, dollars. You, you'll probably need a little bit more than that to get started in the cash flow yourself, depending on what business you buy. There could be SBA financing available, and um, in fact, I just heard through the grapevine that part of the new SOP may be unwinding the uh, the franchise approval system that the SBA has. So what that means is they're unwinding it because they're they're not going to look at that anymore. They they're just going to look at the business opportunity and they won't have that red tape. So there might be more franchises available to be able to get SBA fin- financing, which would be great. Yeah. Which I was going to bring up too, but it is actually unwound or not, sometimes it's easier to get financing for a startup fran- franchise. Actually a lot of times it's easier to get it funding for a startup franchise than a startup business, right? Yeah. So there, there's a lot more options available. And some franchisees even have lending partners and things like that built into their systems. So, um, but yeah, there, it's it's a great opportunity for your first-time entrepreneur, first-time buyer. There's a lot of great um, options with franchises. We're going to actually feature a couple really great up-and-coming and emerging franchise brands um, on the show today, right, Andy? We are. I got to meet, personally, uh, Kathy... Livingston from, uh, and, and I almost got it wrong because she's almost from Livingston, New Jersey. She's from New Jersey, which is both Jessica and I are from New Jersey. So we immediately, I love her, right? And she started a business. I have, I have the brochure in my hand, but if you're listening to this, it's called Oliver's Nannies and think a temporary help agency for nannies. And I said, isn't there already something like that out there? And she's like, no, there really isn't. You know, usually when you go out and get nannies or babysitters, you're kind of going through your Rolodex looking for the local college kid or, you know, the local, your friends, who are your friends using? 
And so what she did, she is from the elder care business, mm. from the temporary help business. So she had had a franchise in the elder care business, and she has now started Oliver's Nannies with a partner, and they've been extremely successful. And I always said, is it hard to get work? And she's like, no, we pay our people. So she has a great system down. Uh, they have, uh, they're expanding very, very quickly. And it's a nice franchise. It is a full-time job. They definitely, they, it's not something you work from your house. They want you to have an office where you actually interview these people. But she goes through it in depth. And I really think it's a great opportunity. And, you know, just thinking about childcare, you, and you know this, uh, oh it's God. hard yeah. to get childcare, right? It's hard. And I mean, like, look, hopefully she, one of the first units you know, she sells is in Dallas, Fort Worth. Um, but like, it's hard. There's, and there's a lot of opportunity there um, because it's, it's hard on the nannies too, right? When we've spoken to the nannies that we've hired or part-time help, and it's hard for them to find good families to work for and kind of match the schedules together. Because with the working environment today, it's not like Everybody just works Monday through Friday, nine to five anymore. There's all kinds of schedules. So I love the concept. Um, I think she's going to do really well with it too. And then um, I interview someone close to our team, uh, Corey Hibbard, who was recently the VP of operations for Transworld, but he's moved all over to um, becoming the president of Gray's Craze, uh, which is a relatively newer emerging um, brand under the United Franchise Group family. But playing off that trend of all the meat and cheese boards, the charcuterie boards and catering. Um, that's what Grace Grace does. Um, so they do some catering and some um, also like in-house type creation of these, these boards and these, I mean, they're almost pieces like works of art, almost how beautiful they are. And this brand has been growing so fast. I mean, Corey's very, very busy right now, just adding new franchisees constantly. So well, Corey's doing a great job, but he's doing such a great job that I haven't seen that man in months. I, this is know. going to be the first time on Zoom that I, I'll probably see him at least in, in 2023. So. so if, you know, a lot of what goes into working with a great franchise is the ownership. And, and that's kind of why we picked these two franchises. Number one, you know, of course, we know the ownership at United Franchise Group, but we know that Corey is going to do everything in his power to make sure that his franchisees are successful. And I say his, cause he's president of the brand, yeah. but you know, UFG family and Starpoint brands, I should start That's calling true. them Starpoint yeah. brands uh, is going to do everything in their power to make their franchisees successful. And, you know, when you meet someone like, like Kathy, you just realize, uh, you know, she's going to do everything in her power to make, uh, people successful. And that's what you look for, right? You look for the people behind uh, the franchise. And I've met the founders of, of, of uh, Orange Theory and they were so passionate about that. You, you just knew that they were going to make some a go of it. And so that's what you got to look for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And it's, it's the support, the people, but it's also the cultural fit, right? Like I tell a story to a lot of new trans world franchisees and they say like, when did you make the decision that trans world was the right fit for you? And I was like, it was simple. It was when I met Andy, right? I knew there was a cultural alignment of how we saw the industry, what we wanted to do in our business. And I think that's truly when you find, you know, you find the right fit with a franchise is that you feel like you're going to be supported, um, that they're going to want to help you grow and that you feel a cultural alignment towards the organization that you're joining because you are joining a community, right? Yeah. I mean, it really takes teamwork. I, I will always tell people that 
when they join a franchise, you got to be part of the solution. It's not a part of the problem. I mean, getting it to be a part of the family, you're joining a family. I mean, literally you're joining a family. And if you all work together, that's the whole point of a franchise. You get to, you know, have a, economies of scale. You get to have shared technology. You get to have uh, shared branding, branding and platform and ad funds and all that kind of stuff. All the stuff that we're going to talk about with our guests. Yeah. And we would be remiss before we jump to our guests to not mention that if this is something you're interested in, but you feel like you need some guidance, our trans world agents are able to help guide you through this process. So we have partnerships with hundreds of franchise brands and you can reach out to any one of our trans world agents, or if you want to reach out to us and we can connect you with somebody, they would be happy to help guide you through the process. Yeah, absolutely. These two brands are definitely uh, available at trans world as well as hundreds. I mean, literally hundreds. So yeah, well, let's jump in. Let's do it. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We have a very special guest, Kathy Livingston from Oliver's Nannies. I got the pleasure of meeting Kathy at a regional meeting in New York City with Eric Strauss, who uh, Kathy knows well. And she has a franchise that she's been uh, working with for uh, that she founded five years ago. And it's such a great story that we had to have her on. And we're talking about franchises today. So welcome, Kathy, and tell us your story. Well, thank you first, um, Andy, for having me on today. It was lovely being at that meeting and meeting all the great trans world brokers in the area. Um, so Oliver's Annie's, we're really excited to be franchising around the country. Essentially, it's really super easy to get care for a lot of things, but unfortunately not your kids, it seems to be the case. So uh, my husband and I had our first son and we started looking for care and realized, wow, this is this is really tough finding somebody to be there in the house. So much harder than it should be. So we founded Oliver's Nannies. It gets you a nanny uh, in your home that you get to select and they are on the books and Oliver's Nannies manages the care for you. So finding solutions for families, we, we crossed our fingers and hoped it would work because it was something we needed. And it turns out something a lot of parents needed. So in the area in uh, Jersey, it exploded. And we thought, you know what, might as well bring it to the rest of the country. So that's what we're working on now. Have a lot of great opportunities for folks around the country to purchase an Oliver's Nannies and, and get started in their local area. So tell us about the opportunity. You know, what would so what does a buyer look like who's going to run an Oliver Oliver's Nannies? And what what's their day to day? Sure. So, I mean, the great thing about Oliver's Nannies is it is really simple to get started, right? You're not talking about huge costs and huge barriers for the first really in the industry to come out with this opportunity. So I think you need a people person, right? Your people dealing with people, placing people with kids. Um, I think you just need to be somebody that likes to go out there and talk, really wants to solve families' problems. And that embraces the part of management and team building that you need with your nannies. 
I think if you have that and a little creativity, look, it's a new opportunity. So as an early on franchisee, you're also having the impact on development of system, right? So you get to bring all of the creativity and the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, so a go-getter, high energy likes people. I think that's what we're looking for to, to onboard into the system. Yeah. And there's no lack of need out there for people who need care, right? No. So in, in starting to get the franchising going, we looked up some statistics from around the country. And right now, 51% of America is in a child care desert. So what that means, Andy, is that there's three children to every daycare slot under the age of five. So parents really are getting put on ridiculous wait lists. They can't find care. And what do you do if you got to work? You got to find a solution. So Oliver's Nannies is, is bringing forward a new solution to parents that don't even have another option. I mean, that's the beauty of it. It literally is solving a problem that is unsolvable other ways right now. Yeah, I mean, the old fashioned way of doing it was like scouting other families for kids or scouting sure. of relatives or having relatives take your kids in when you needed to. And I would, you know, again, that is, I, I think one of the nice things about Oliver's nannies is putting a process to this. I think. I think for so many people, they, they just hire anybody that they can and and hope that they're following a process or, I mean, is there training involved? Like, you know, when somebody becomes a nanny for Oliver's nannies, what what is sure. that? Sure. So I, I laugh too, Andy, because it's like, I just got to find a breathing human. I love my kids. They're the greatest thing on earth. I, I would do anything for them. Can I find a breathing human to watch them? Like that was our standard all the time, right? right? Like, does anybody have a 16 year old kid they can throw over here? And that's totally fine half the time, right? And the other half of the time, Is you it? can't find anybody. Or you have my parents that are like, no, no, we'll do anything, but don't ask us to babysit, right? So right. taking the peace of mind and giving it to parents that no matter what, right? If your parents don't want to watch the kids, you don't have a neighbor with a teenager, we got it. So everybody's background checked. We actually, in today's day and age, I don't know if you've ever heard of COVID and all the health scares we've had, right? We sure. do physicals, we do vaccinations. So you're getting somebody that's fully vetted, both from a criminal perspective, we do the references, and there's physical requirements to make sure we're putting the absolute safest person in there. And the beauty of it is we have families that use us on a weekly basis on a standard schedule. We're also offering um, a service that's backup care as you need it, date nights, if you will, so you can always get somebody. So a franchisee coming into the system has a lot of flexibility and creativity on what they want to grow their business and have it look like for them, which I think is really nice. Yeah, that, it, it sounds like a, a, a great, I mean, it's a full-time job, obviously, if you buy an Oliver's Nannies, right? But do you run it from home? So we run it from an office. Um, you have a lot of people. It is a full-time job, which we think is a great thing, right? Like you're buying yeah. a business that has the ability sure. to be busy and be busy fast. So that's that's great. Um, and you have a lot of people coming and going, a lot of nannies coming to the office. So we like to keep it in an office. You're looking at like an executive suites type situation, nothing um, with a super high commitment, but you can kind of ease into the game with uh, getting one office and grow from there. Yeah, it's a it's a professional organization, which sounds sure. great. And one of the things I, I loved your answer for this, because I think one of the uh, brokers in the meeting brought up, well, isn't it so hard to hire people these days? And I thought you had a great answer to that. Listen, 
it's everybody likes to have an excuse about this, right? Like hiring, you can do it. You can find people. You have, uh, you, you got to put the money in, you got to do the hard work, and then you find them. And then, by the way, you take care of them and you make sure that you take care of them better than anybody else can take care of them. I think the business is there. Just go out and get it. And I also think anybody who puts um, the work into finding good people and taking care of them, you win the game, right? Because you have the best people and the best workers. And that's really what it takes to kind of build your business there. Right. And the nannies are, I would imagine, all ages. I mean, obviously, they have to be legal to work. Uh, They have to be 15 years old, at least. right? (laughs) Yeah. So, Andy, first thing is we like to follow the law. Right. Oh, it's sure. crazy. Right. Um, so we do. It's funny. We have babysitters, junior nannies and senior nannies. So oh. I think, uh, yeah. So I think the age range of our current team in New Jersey is from 18, I think, all the way up to we had somebody in their 70s at one point hmm. and their family loved them. It really depends on what the family is looking for. You have some families that the requests are kind of amazing and across the board. Right. So. Some families kind of want somebody who's like a grandmother. Other families want a college kid who's going to play with their son or whatever the case might be. So we're really able to kind of go with whatever the family is looking for in, in that in that regard. But we do. We can hire young. We can hire 18. And people people love it. But we, we do follow the law, Andy. That's the number one. No, that's, that's great. I mean, I, so this is, you know, again, a professional business. You're buying a business and you're going to help you're going to help them build their business like you did. Absolutely. So the growth has been phenomenal in the local office Um, opening up in 2018. I have to say COVID hitting a national pandemic. We thought, my goodness, what's going to happen? We grew. That's what we did. I mean, the reality is we have a solution to a problem that not a lot of people can offer. It's in um, a business that's a low cost to open, which is fantastic. We have open territories right now around the country. There's there's a lot of upside for somebody who's ready to go out on their own right now. Um, and, and not a lot to hold you back. If you're a people person and you want to go out and, and schmooze and you want to roll up your sleeves and, and get a business that has a lot of upside, this is a good opportunity for you. Um, I think for people too, I can't get over how much I love that parents are beyond full of gratitude when you meet them because it's such a stressful thing to have childcare. And when we talked to our parents, I had the pleasure, we did um, a fall fest in November and I got to meet a lot of the parents we serve. And some of them got quite emotional saying, I didn't know how I was going to go back to work after maternity leave or my office opened back up. And the thought of going back after I've been caring for my kid for a little while, I didn't know how it was going to go. And it was really nice that we were able to be their solution and that they were so happy about it. So um, it's a very rewarding business financially and from a perspective of your helping helping families in a real way. It sounds like a, a great business. And like you said, you have territories available um, where you're registered. And uh, are you registered in 50 states yet? So we're available in most states. We're not a registered. We just um, achieved registration in Connecticut, Maryland, Florida, uh, working on Virginia, uh, New York as well. We're registered in. So it's a day by day process where we're getting uh, registered in all the states. We absolutely have a lot of good territories available. We are. um, I know I was asked this in the meeting and I think it's super important. We did pull the demographics of the local office that was so successful. uh, And we are looking to match those demographics 
for our franchisees coming in. We're really committed to making sure that they have the same recipe of demographics that we think uh, fed into that success. Uh, you know, listen, we don't want to sell to somebody unless we know they're going to do a great job, unless they're going to have a good, strong business. So um, we're going to be looking at uh, household income, number of children, uh, making sure that the demographics are there and, and the need is there for them to staff. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing worse than unhappy franchisees. No, and we don't like unhappy franchisees. That's we, not we something don't. We And do. I know you've been involved with franchising before, so you know what you're doing. Sure. So my background, actually, 20 years has been either working for franchisors or owning a franchise myself. Right. And I think strongly and passionately and my counterpart, um, the co-founder of Oliver's Nanny's franchising, has also been a franchisee for several years is we want happy franchisees. We look at this as a successful franchise as not one that has locations all over the country, but one that has healthy locations all over the country. We want our franchisees you know, meeting their needs. And that might be financial, that might be meeting families, whatever it is, we'd like them to be meeting both personally. Um, but that's our goal. We want to grow the system in a way, doesn't matter if it's slow, if it's fast, it matters that it's healthy. It matters that our franchisees are happy, that their needs of entrepreneurship are being met, because that's that's what gives us a long, healthy, healthy end game. It sounds like an amazing opportunity. You have someone in Kathy that's been a franchisee Nothing better than a franchisor who knows the you talk sides. the talk, knows knows both sides. And not only that, but you started by co-founding a very successful office yourselves. So Absolutely. you have the experience being on the ground, understanding what it what it takes to hire, what it takes to implement uh the system. And you know, what we I liked about this is, you know, people always ask me, Andy, what's in the, you know, what's a great franchise to get involved in, you know, and they always kind of spit out like the ones that are like, they're gone, you know, like, you're sure. not getting a Dunkin, <laughs> you're not getting a Dunkin Donuts these days. No more Dunkin Donuts. Yeah, you know, you, you know the, the Troy Aikman, Troy Aikman's in that one, you know, but Shaquille oh O'Neal is in, uh, you know, Papa John's, you're not getting one of those these days. But they always want something that they could get in on the ground floor. And I'm like, this is it. You know, like when when there's something good comes along, you could be part of something great. I mean, you could be part of a ground floor and the franchisors are always so focused on making their first, you know, 20 franchisees super successful. And that's what well, you have to. Yeah, that is. I mean, I would tell you, right, we have a lot of coffee in this country and we have a lot of pizza in this country. It's time we have a lot of childcare in this country. We're the first ones offering a model that's this unique to be able to do it. Get on the get it, get in at the ground, just like you said. As for uh, being a franchisee and a franchisor, I laugh sometimes because I'll have conversations with myself and I'll be like, well, what would franchisee Kathy say? Well, what would franchisor Kathy say? The good news is I do have those conversations. So we get to both sides and land in a really successful place, right? It's a, it's a good, it balances. So um, we know it's going to be great and we know it's going to be big. We really look forward to building it with our franchisees. And I think that's the exciting part. So um, eventually, Perhaps there will be as many Papa John, I mean, many Oliver's nannies as there are Dunkin' Donuts, Papa John's, McDonald's. Yeah, we sure. won't have any childcare deserts left then. <laughs> yes. And uh, obviously there's a need out there. And that's what franchising does is it helps individuals get into business. You could be a first time business owner. This is a, you know, this is what sure. uh, they, 
you know, this is why you buy a franchise because you have the recipe that's working and uh, unlike anybody else's. So Kathy, what's the best way to get in touch with you if people want to learn more other than calling Transworld? So. Call Transworld. You can absolutely call Transworld and Transworld should absolutely only give us as an option. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, um, they should. They should, only us. So um, if you want my contact, my email is kathy.livingston at oliversnannies.com. Um, you can always call us at one 7 oliver or you can visit the website at oliversnanniesfranchising.com. We're happy to talk to anybody about uh, their interest. It sounds like an amazing opportunity. Uh, get in while it's good, folks. Uh, and uh, thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate you telling me your story. All right. Thanks, Andy. And thank you to everybody at Transworld, too. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Welcome back, everybody, to the deal board. And this week for our deal of the week, I have one of my business partners in our Transworld Colorado office, John Woodall. John, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jessica. Glad to be here. Yeah. So congratulations. You just had a business sale, a business closing. Tell us a little bit about this business that you just sold. Yeah, it's a design and build construction company. Um, they do develop homes up in Steamboat uh, Springs, Colorado. Nice. And they've nice. been around for, I think, like 17 years it was. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So design, build, um, you know, lots of residential stuff up to, especially in the mountains too, can be a bit tough to find the right buyer for that business. Who ultimately bought the business and, and why was it such a good fit for them? Yeah, so this one was um, a very emotional deal. Um, so the uh, the buyer um, that we decided to settle on was actually the CFO of the business who had come on to come on board within probably the last eighteen months of the business. So didn't have a lot of history with the business. Young uh, young person. He was in his late twenties, but he had some private equity background in doing uh, construction development. Um, really a sad story though. The, uh, the owners of the, the owner of the business, um, passed away. And so his wife was left with the business and she did have, um, some experience in the business, um, prior to them having kids, they have three little kids. So, um, you know, she was definitely, um, you know, not in a, you know, a great spot in terms of wanting to sell the business, um, and run the business or run the business. Um, and so, you know, looking to sell the business was kind of her, her, uh, what she needed to do. And, you know, we, uh, you know, obviously wanted to get her the most value for the business. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, given the circumstances with what happened, um, it really um, kind of boiled down to if we're going to get the most value we can for this business, you know, we probably need to get it to somebody who's, you know, working within the organization. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's so sad and unfortunate. We don't deal in this a lot, but we have a handful of cases every year like this one. And really you're right. It's in these situations, it's, it is vetting external buyers, but it's vetting internal at the same time and just seeing who can get the most value and also ensure the, I would say the quickest handoff, right? So she can really focus on her family and their well-being. Um, so tell us a little bit, if you can, about the deal structure, like how did it come together? Yeah. So this, um, like I said, um, the buyer, you know, uh, you know, and I'm just so, you know, I want to do a shout out to my colleague, Kate Bierman, who um, worked with me on this. Um, you know, I'd say he was more the lead on this um, and I supported him, but um, you know, so uh, we have, we, the buyer was, as I said, he was a young, young guy and he didn't have any money. Um, you know, he's, 
very intelligent. Like I said, he went private equity, has a finance background. Um, operationally, he's pretty good because he's been running the business for like the last year while the, um, the husband was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, um, yeah, so anyway, he, he was, uh, he was sort of, um, the guy we decided to go with, but, you know, with him not having any money and not being able to put down any money, um, we were faced with, okay, well, how are we going to, uh, one, get our, you know, get ourselves paid and get her paid and, you know, make this a, you know, a positive outcome, um, for everybody involved. And this is one of these ones where, you know, you really have to, it's a feel thing. So, you know, the, one of our, you know, one of the taglines for trans world is doing good deal, good deals for good people. I have to say like the guy who's the buyer, he is just a genuine, good top shelf person. You know, he understood the circumstances that he came into work with that business and, you know, it's unfortunate what happened, but, you know, he totally stepped up and, you know, we structured the deal in a way that was going to be palatable to him, right? He does, he's only worked there for 18 months, so he wasn't mm-hmm. going to take on a bunch of liability and um, that was going to, you know, put him at risk. And so, um, you know, we, we ended up, uh, you know, we, he did take on the liability, I have to say, actually, because he did do a stock sale, but in terms of being on a personal guarantee to pay out the entire amount of the value of the business, which was a $1.8 million deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the business is doing about $7 million, I think around seven, 8 million in revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. For him to, uh, you know, sign on to, to really stepping into that role of um, taking the reins of the business and running with it, um, to not having the history with the business um, and willing to do a stock sale, you know, we had to give up some things. And one of the things was, you know, we, we structured it as a, a full promissory note over five years, she's going to get paid out, um, like 31,500 bucks, you know, for the next five years. Um, we actually, our fee, um, you know, was split between the buyer and seller. The buyer is actually going to pay half the fee on the back end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of that fee got tagged on to the, million purchase price. And um, yeah, it was an interesting deal from, uh, from that standpoint, because, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're not getting any money at close, and there's no money, you know, exchanging hands between the buyer and the seller. And uh, like I said, it's a stock sale, and there's no, there's no, the liability is totally on the sell on the buyer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it just, uh, it's just, we're just lucky to have it come together, it really came down to two people who were involved. Yeah. Yeah. And with those internal sales, like a couple of key learnings for our listeners with the internal sales, especially this quick sale, sale where there's an illness or um, unfortunately a death in this situation, like sometimes the right buyer doesn't always have the capital, right? So being really creative in the deal structure um, to ensure the, the the employees have still a place to show up to work to every day, the legacy of the company is maintained. And again, the seller can focus on her family right now. Creativity is key. So John, it sounds like it was a good result, um, in a very unfortunate situation. Um, but really good creative deal making on both your and Cade's side. If one of our listeners is wanting to work with you either to buy a business or sell a business in Colorado, how can they reach you? Uh, yeah, my number, my uh, cell number is 720-846-0948. And my email is jwoodhull, W-O-O-D-H-U-L-L at tworld.com. Awesome. And we'll drop those uh, contact details into the show notes as well. 
John, thanks for being on the show and sharing your story with us. Thanks, Jessica. Have a great day. Welcome back, everybody. And today, like we talked about in the intro, we're featuring great businesses, specifically great franchises for first-time entrepreneurs. And I'm really excited to have one of my longtime colleagues with me, uh, Corey Hibbard. He worked with us on the trans world side for years, and now he is president of a very fast-growing franchise brand called Grace Craze. Corey, welcome to the deal board. Thanks, Jessica. Appreciate the time. So before we get started, just give the listeners a bit of a background about you and what you do. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll try to abbreviate it as much as I can. You've heard this story a million times probably, but uh, I have been with United Franchise Group here since uh, late 2014, spent the majority of my tenure building and growing the Transworld Business Advisors brand uh, in the last five and a half years there as the Vice President of Operations. And end of last year was tapped to venture into another uh, great budding emerging franchise that we've got here under the UFG umbrella uh, by the name of Grace Grace, which is the First, uh, Gray's Craze is the first charcuterie franchise uh, in the space. So really rare. In 2021, we looked at this business and it was this emerging concept out of Oklahoma City. And we're looking to expand our food division. And uh, as we did so, we kind of found something with a lower investment model, a lower labor model and lower overhead model. And the most unique thing was in 2021 to find a food business that had virtually no competition. Uh, a lot of fragmented DIYers in the space and people doing things out of their home, but we really didn't have any consolidated competition in this vertical. And our eyes were kind of open to a huge opportunity uh, and in came Grace Grace. So here we are yeah. now in 2023. And I mean, right at the peak of like the popularity you bring into like the, the Instagram and the influencers, right. But right at the popularity of boards, right. And charcuterie boards and all this kind of stuff is when, when you guys found this business and entered the space. So great timing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Grace Crazy. You touched on the background and the history, but bring us up to speed to today. And what is, what does the business model look like for Grace Grace? Yeah, look, I mean, most importantly, while there are competitors, so to speak, maybe in the space uh, that are doing business to consumer type model where you're doing one off boards here or there for special events, there's really no reliable source for charcuterie boards coast to coast. And, you know, as we start to expand globally uh, around the globe that provides a consistent product that people can trust and rely on, but also gives the versatility of having dozens of different options on one board, right? So uh, where we've actually kind of gravitated towards and seen a ton of great reception is in the corporate and the catering space, uh, which is really where the, the model of the business has shifted to. And we've seen, like I said, just wonderful reception. We've been uh, overwhelmed with how well received the product's been. And uh, as we build and grow this, we kind of look at what maybe a company like Edible Arrangements did, where they got into a space they brought a new concept in, but they made it as easy as possible to cater to the masses. And our product just naturally does it, right? It's really hard. We say all the time to find somebody that doesn't like fruits, vegetables, meats, cheeses, sweets. Like there's got to be something on the board that everybody in the room will eat. So uh, as we continue to build the momentum, building lots of partnerships with large corporations around the country, uh, just to develop kind of that steady baseline gives us the freedom and the flexibility to have fun with the business to consumer side as well. So it's not that we're necessarily pigeonholed into just B2B type uh, operations and sales, but uh, it gives us the flexibility to have some more fun with the other side of it too, understanding there's just that consistent need from the business to business side. 
yeah, it makes it, the business more sustainable. Uh, it, it makes the growth potential, I'm, I'm sure, a lot bigger than if you're just doing the B2C market. Um, yeah. So I do want you to touch on a little bit too, Corey. We, we, uh, Andy and I talked about this in the intro, but you know, the support of a good franchisor is really critical when you're making a decision into what brand to enter. Um, and United Franchise Group and Starpoint Brands, which is what uh, Gray's Craze falls underneath, is really um, built a significant support system. So talk a little bit about you know what a potential franchisee could expect in that relationship. It's a good question. And I think this is really important in any franchise, right? Not just whether it's ours or something in our family of brands or really any franchise when you're looking at it uh, as a prospective franchisee and, and future entrepreneur is to find people that aren't afraid to hire even ahead of the curve a little bit on the support side. If you truly have a sustainable model and you have a great business, you know you'll get there, right? So uh, nothing's more important than the franchisee's success, especially in our circumstance, maybe as an early uh, first two, three years as a franchise to, to double down and invest in the support to make sure franchisees have somebody that's always got their back. They have somebody that's always going to pick up the phone when they call. They have somebody that's gonna talk to them on a Sunday night if they need something, help them through anything from employment and staffing to operational to, I mean, we've had calls where we've gotten orders for a thousand person graduation events, and it's way more than, you know, one kitchen can handle, right? So uh, looking at, at things along those lines, when you're looking at any franchise across the board uh, is really important. And then I'd say, as you look at ours, it's really diving into the right people in the right seat. Um, so making sure that we've got the right support team members, and we're not just rushing into putting bodies in seats and throwing bodies at problems, but making sure we have people with vast food experience and background, marketing experiences and, and background, and um, and then operational excellence as well. You know, people that really know how to follow through and make sure that we're giving the best results and the best products to people when they're showing up and, and ordering from us. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really great point in, in having that support. I mean, I can speak um, from personal experience. I know with working with Corey for, you know, five, five, six years that I know he will personally pick up the phone and help his franchisees and his entire team will too. So it's super important. I agree. So this episode's about first-time entrepreneurs, first-time buyers, why franchising is a good option for them. And what what is your perspective on that? Why do you think a franchise, the right franchise, we should say, would be a good option for a first-time entrepreneur? I think you hit on something that's really important at the tail end of that, which is the right franchise, right? I mean, not every franchise works for every person. And uh, franchise is a personality fit. Franchise is a financial fit. Uh, there's a lot of criteria that goes into making the perfect fit for the perfect person. But uh, I would say there's a lot of obvious things with franchising, the systems, the model. Uh, but there's a lot of things that I would say go into franchising that you don't see on the surface as well. Um, the blood, sweat and tears that it took to get there, the the road. We used to tell people all the time, even at Transworld, right? I mean, we spent many years at Transworld as we were building and growing, talking to people that were going was this something I could do by myself? Is this a business I could do on my own? And, and the answer essentially with any franchise is, well, yeah, you could if you've got enough time, but how much time do you have to allocate to it is really kind of the formula that you need to look at. And the better a franchise, the shorter that road is to success. 
Um, so looking at the right fit for you, is it something I'm going to want to go out and market hard? Is it something I'm going to eat, sleep and drink? Is it something that, you know, I'm, I'm going to really dive into all in, or is this something I'm just looking for a return out of? Cause there are businesses and franchise concepts, I think that do fit that approach, but, uh, many aren't. So understanding what it's going to take in order to be that successful franchisee and not just looking at numbers or falling in love with, you know, representations or item 19s, which is a financial representation in the FDDs, but really falling in love with the business concept and knowing you'll believe in it thick and thin. And I think the right fit, I mean, you've been a shining example, right? In, in what you've done with Transworld and you and Al as you built and grew this, uh, you know, amazing office, but it was something I would argue in the early days, you weren't looking at what the business was bringing back to you. You were looking at how you scaled it and you invested in it and you became the best in it. And that fit is what really matters at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you do, you still have to be passionate about the business and the opportunity, right? And sometimes I do, I do think like, look, when we first were searching for our next venture after we sold um, our wine businesses, like one, we were not looking into franchising and two, business brokerage was not on our radar, right? So sometimes you will surprise yourself when you're in the search to buy a business that like, yeah, just maybe opening up the opportunity to search for franchises. And I always tell buyers too, like, open up your box a little bit and don't be so narrow-minded in, in an industry. Try to think about like, what is it about that industry that attracts you so much to it and makes you passionate about? And there might be other industries or other verticals um, that can deliver that same type of passion, but with a huge opportunity uh, for growth, kind of, you know, like Grace Craze. So that being said, like who, who's an ideal franchisee for Grace Craze? Like what are, what are some of the most successful franchisees that you've seen so far? The really good marketers and self-promoters. In the end of the day, we've we've worked really hard and we've put the framework in place. We know the product, we know the consumer demands, we've got the technology. Well, it's never perfect in a really good spot. Um, but what we need is is foot soldiers. We need people that are going to be prophets of Grace Craze, right? And and the right franchisees and our best franchisees have been the ones that will put their head down, they'll plow through and get through those. We say all the time, you know, depending on what the sale is, right? Sales cycle could be 12 no's before you get a yes. We need the ones that are going to get to 13 that aren't going to give up after one or two or three, especially in our life cycle right now. Uh, we've got a really good opportunity. We're, we're in rapid growth mode. Our first 18 months, we sold uh, over 150 franchises and we're opening on average about one every week for the remainder of the year, 2023. Um, so we'll get to the end of the year and be hovering around that 100 store mark, and we will start to get the benefit of some of that brand recognition and a little bit more um, you know, passive business. But right now in these early years, as we build and grow what we believe can be a household name and synonymous with charcuterie, we really need the people that are going to come alongside us and make that push. So for us, doesn't take a ton of food experience. You don't have to be an expert in a kitchen. Our, our boards are not super complex, uh, but we do need people that are going to really push and build this business like you would from the ground up with any other business. Uh, and the rest of it, I think we can work through together and, and really build something special. Yeah. You just need growth marketers, right? So that's, that's all it is. You know, so it's interesting. You brought up, we talked in the intro about new brands and emerging brands and then established. And I mean, you guys are just blowing through it real fast, right? You, you blew through new brand status really fast. You're blowing through emerging brands. Um, we were just talking, you've got some really exciting um, opportunities on the international front. You know, what's next for Grace Craze over the next 12 to 18 months? 
12 to 18 months, I think we continue to solidify us in the short term as the go-to option in charcuterie. Uh, 12 leading into 18 months, I think we look at being the brand that becomes accessible everywhere to everyone. Uh, the product, like I had said earlier, is so well received that we're still, as we've grown really rapidly with, uh, you know, we're knocking on 40 stores open. I think we're at 37 this week, open to two on Monday. Um, we're in 20 states, but there's still a lot of gaps, right? So as we continue to grow and by the end of the year, hopefully fill out a lot of the major markets and coverage, I think that's where we get to shift and becoming more synonymous with the product itself. I mean, I, I look 18 months from now, and at that point, I think we'll have enough coverage for people to look at a charcuterie board and wonder if it's from Gray's Grace. We do it now with, uh, we, we lean on edible arrangements a lot. So thanks to them for kind of paving the way in a kind of unique and niche catering business. But we look at what they did and you could get a fruit basket that could be from 20 different sources in this day and age, right? And, and you just say, oh, it's a nice edible arrangement. You know, and I think we can do the same thing if we execute uh, and then continuing to build national partnerships where a brand is just seen everywhere, every, uh, you know, all the time. And we're seeing it now. We've already started a partnership with uh, one of the largest wine stores in the country where now they do tastings twice a month and we'll have our boards in front of everybody during the wine tastings. But, uh, you know, I, I see that as the tip of the iceberg. I think we can get to the point where, you know, when people see charcuterie, they really do associate it with Grace Grace edible arrangements of charcuterie. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that Corey, you will um, take this brand as high as it possibly can go. And there's no better team um, to support potential new franchisees and maybe their first business opportunity. So if someone's listening to the show and they want to learn more about Gray's Craze, what's the best way they can get in touch? Yeah, look, uh, easiest way is you can go to grazecrazefranchise.com. It'll have tons of information. It'll probably fill in a lot of gaps on what a day in the life of the owner looks like and um, you know what this might look like for you if it is the right fit. So you can always go to grazecrazefranchise.com. You'll see contact information there. You can fill out a quick form. Uh, our team's very good. They're very diligent. They'll get in touch with you quickly. But there's phone numbers on there if you, you need us and it's easier to pick up the phone. You can always call 561-646-6606. But, uh, you know, we look forward to talking you through it and see if it is the right fit in the end of the day. Uh, and if it's not getting you in the right direction to something else that may be. Yeah, that's great. And we'll drop all that information to our show notes as well. Corey, it's always great seeing you. Um, hopefully it doesn't have to be the deal board that brings us back together. I know you're very busy um, getting new franchises launched, but it was great to see you. And thank you so much for being on the show. You as well. Thanks for having me on, Jess. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for listing of the week. Welcome back to The Deal Board, everybody. And today for our listing of the week, I'm really excited to have um, kind of a new franchisee on, but one of our newer offices, Transworld Business Advisors of Las Vegas South, has recently opened. Chris Cantwell as the managing director in that area. Chris, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself before we get into the listing. Thanks, Jessica. Glad to be here. And yeah, so I've been with Transworld oh, seven or eight years now, I think seven and a half years Something like that. Uh, feels like it's only been a couple of weeks, but uh, it's how much fun you have doing this job. But anyhow, um, yeah, so done uh, well over 100 deals and had an opportunity to help us expand from Colorado and Dallas and Fort Worth into the Las Vegas market. So we officially got this office opened here this year, and uh, we've got some new 
some new agents that'll be joining us and we're really going to get this thing rolling. And, and that kind of leads me to today, one of my uh, Las Vegas listings that I think is yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, let's hear about it. Attention. Yeah, so this is an award-winning subscription e-commerce coffee roasting business. And anytime we get anything with coffee, uh, it's a lot like the pet industry. You get a lot of inquiries and while you may get a lot of tire kickers, um, you, you get some good buyers as well. So we've had some good activity on this. And this was actually a business that uh, started in Colorado, but a move to Las Vegas and uh, is just uh, is just doing some phenomenal business. So um, their revenue is about 900,000. They'll probably do a little over a million this year in gross revenue. Cash flows at 259K. We've got it priced at 825, which is basically a three multiple. So we know we're going to get a lot of interest on this business. So we're starting on the higher end of the scale. But like all of these businesses, it's negotiable. So uh, if you know anyone that's interested in the coffee roasting business, this is a business that could be relocated. It obviously has some some heavy equipment that would have to be moved, but uh, because they really don't have a retail presence and it really is online and subscription based, um, it could be operated from anywhere. That sounds like a great deal. And I assume it is probably would qualify for SBA financing too, right? With those numbers? Yes. Yeah. Yep, I've had a couple of banks already take a look and say, yeah, bring us a buyer and we'll do some financing. It'll depend on the buyer, of course, and it'll depend on where the where the purchase price ends up. But the seller would even be willing to do some seller financing, which helps the deal. The banks always love when there's a little bit of seller financing. The, the buyers always love it because there's still some skin in the game from the seller. And if they run into some sort of a hurdle down the road and they give the seller a call, the seller's going to answer their phone. And that's what they care about the most. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're going to be really busy on this one. Coffee, subscription-based, recurring revenue, relocatable. I mean, all the boxes are checked. So um, if you are a buyer, I wouldn't hesitate getting in touch with Chris. Chris is also very humble. He was um, our deal maker of the year in Colorado for, God, I don't know, five, six years running, um, closing the most deals um, in our Colorado offices and still is a partner in those offices. Chris, congratulations on your new office in Las Vegas South. If someone wants to reach out to you either about this listing or buying or selling a business in Vegas, how can they reach you? Yeah, they could call me directly. My my cell phone here in Las Vegas is 702-493-0095. Or they can go to any of the Transworld Business Advisor web pages and find me. I'm on our on our Colorado agent site. I'm on our Las Vegas site. So you can find me at tworld.com as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the deal board. Thanks, Jessica. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com.